Okay, so we are uh, in the middle of the first letter. The first letter is, again, this uh, fictional character, Binyamin, who's writing a letter to his friend, the fictional character, Naftali, who was, uh, of course, Rav Shamshin and Hirsch. And uh, as a side, by the way, Rav Shamshin, Shimshin, Shamshin, uh, I would have guessed it's probably Shimshin. In German, it was Samson, so it became Shamshin. But uh, the, the way it was in Germany was they would call you your name plus your father's name, right? Like uh, Rashi was Shlema Yitzchak, so... Uh, Shimshin Rafal, his father's name was Rafal, and that was uh, as, as a sight. So if you hear someone named Shimshin Rafal, you can tell him it's, uh, he's being named after of Hirsch and of Hirsch's father. <laughs> All right. um, so he's writing a letter, and uh, this is this, this Binyamin had kind of joined the reformers. He's no longer observant, and he meets his friend Naftali, who's a rabbi, and uh, they start handling Yiddishkeit, and then the train comes, so uh, he says, You know what, I'm going to write you a letter. And he basically, he starts off telling him, how look, you know, you don't really know much about Yiddishkeit. If you want to critique Yiddishkeit and make a, an opinion about it, you have to actually know it. Um, so he says like this. He says, and so he starts laying out what he thinks are his complaints against Yiddishkeit. The first thing he pointed out was that every religion should bring man near to his true purpose, which is happiness and perfection. Right? That's what he says. So now, happiness, happiness is, of course, happiness. That's obvious. You know what happiness is. Perfection would be human perfection. You know, accomplishing, building, creating, music, art, culture, buildings, you know, economy, commerce. This is what we call perfection, right? The, you know, religion, if religion is going to, you know, govern the lives of human beings, it should bring people and make people better. And, you know, so he says, but look at Yiddishkeit. He says, he says, look at Judaism. We're miserable. He says, we've been completely misunderstood from everyone. We're poor. We're thrown out of country to country. He says, it says enjoyment. He says the Torah forbids any, gush, any enjoyment. The Torah forbids. It's a hindrance to pleasure. He says, uh, what are our achievements? He says, compare us to the Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the Greeks, Romans, Italians, French, English. Right? What, what, what of the Jews? What do we have to say for ourselves? Right? You know, people talk today about, you know, how the Jews are, uh, you know, we have so many Nobel Prizes that won by Jews, you know. Okay, yeah, maybe. Uh, Jews are smart, fine, I don't know. Like that, that's, but they're not, they didn't win the Nobel Prize because they're Jewish, you know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a Jewish thing. Uh, they happen to be Jewish. That's not like the point. I, I don't know, I'm not sure people make a very big deal about it. I, I don't know. What? Jewish pride. Yeah, it's pride, but it, that's, that, that's not the point here. The fact that uh, a Jewish American happened to have won a Nobel Prize means nothing about, that doesn't say anything about Jews, you know. That's a... Uh, so, okay, we're on page five here. I printed out some copies because uh, it's out of print. Utterly deprived of all characteristics of nationhood, we are nevertheless considered a nation, right? So what makes a nation? This is important. First, we'll talk a lot about nationhood. What, 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 what defines a nation? A nation is you have a land, you have a ruler, you have, you know, you have power, you have a military, right? So that's, that's what a nation is. You have America, you have Canada, right? What's, what's a nation? You know, okay, nowadays we love to tear down borders, but nations mean that you have property and then you have a nation, you're a country. Right? He says, Jews were deprived of all characteristics of the nation. Right? There's nothing that the Jews have that make it a nation. We don't have a country. Again, this is in the 1800s, before there's Israel. And again, we'll get to Israel a little bit later. Right? We don't have a country. We don't have leaders. We're scattered throughout the entire world, literally, without any uniform body. Right? There's no Bezdin. There's no, there's no national you know, rabbis. There's no, it's nothing. We're just a bunch of random individual people scattered around. And yet, we're nevertheless considered a nation, right? So everyone's busy with the Jews. I mean, what, what, what is, what, what, okay, if, you, if you're, you know, uh, an immigrant into a country, oh, so you're Mexican. Yeah, you came from Mexico, you're Mexico. But that's how we are, right? We're, there's nothing that identifies us as Jews, right? There's nothing there, right? Nothing that, 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 that matters in terms of nationhood, right? We just have a bunch of laws. And yet, everyone looks at the Jews, like, well, right? That's the whole discussion with, uh, right? Are Jews considered a race? Can you be racist against Jews? Because we don't have, a, we have, we have, a, we have a, we're white skin, so we can't be, uh, well, some of us. 
Um, but the, but the, right, so you can't be racist against a Jew because, uh, because they're white, right? But we're, we're, we're not a nation in any, in any you know, modern sense of the term, in any you know, uh, political sense of the term, and yet we all we looked at oh, the Jews, right? And every one of us is doomed by his very birth to form an additional link in this chain of misery. And he says correctly, by the way, whose fault is this? He says this is the Torah. It's the Torah's fault, right? By its laws that ensure isolation in life, Right? So much of the Torah just practically, like we can't eat and we can't do things that the non-Jews do. And then all the laws and, and the mitzvahs that tell us to stay away, right? All the, 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 the ayin, stam yainams and all that stuff. Right? It arouses at the very least suspicion and hostile distrust. Right? Even, even if, you know, uh, even if you can you know, participate. People are just very like, well, what's this religion? You don't shake hands with women. You don't do this. Right? It's, people get very suspicious. By bending our spirit to the point of humble submissiveness, it invites contempt. Oh, look at those Jews, Islamichals, right? They're, they're obsessed with religion. Whatever God says they do, right? They're, 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 they're spineless. It blocks the pursuit of creative arts, right? Through its dogmas, it bars the ways to free thought and speculation, right? Creative arts, of course, we have to have art. And in art, we all know, we know where art you know, leads a person. And, uh, you know, oh, we can't do this. We can't say, we can't, do, we can't talk about this. This is not appropriate. This is us, sir, right? Uh, we can't uh, we believe in God. So uh, we can't be busy science, right? It's anti-science because we believe in God. By imposing a life of isolation, it indeed removes every incentive for exertion in science and art, right? Again, science and art is, is always, it's always outward facing, Right, so we're we're very inward. I mean, what's what's art? Therefore, they do not flourish among us, and that's for sure true, right? Jews, uh, okay, you know, Jews had there have been you know Jewish Jewish art throughout the years. Maybe not so much in Germany, but you know the idea, right? There's no painting by uh, by uh, you know the Vilna Gaon sitting in the in the in the Louvre or whatever. As for study of our religion, right? So now he's getting to leave it at Tyra. Okay, so the one thing we have is our Tyra, right? Learning Tyra, learning Gemara. It merely distorts the mind and leads it astray into subtleties and the minutia of petty distinctions until it becomes incapable of entertaining simple, straightforward opinions. Again, something that I think anyone that learns Gemara will identify with, right? It's like a hakachayna, right? Gemara is like never-ending, you know? Uh, it's just every halacha, and there's a thousand shitas, and it's like, and that's when it's practical. Think about all the mitzvahs, and all the Gemaras that are just not practical, and it's just like you drink a cup, it's like, just, just get on with it, you know? Thus, I've always wondered more than a little how you, who know how to appreciate the beauties of Virgil, Tasso, and Shakespeare, and can fathom the logical edifices of Leibniz or Kant, can find pleasure in the formless, tasteless writings of the Old Testament, or in the illogical disputations of the Talmud. Right, and it's very interesting that uh, one of the you know the, the early uh, maybe consider like the, the first of the you know the first of the modern Jewish historians, or Heinrich Gratz. I think I mentioned this. Heinrich Gratz uh, was, was a young uh, Bacher and he spent time with Rav Hirsch. He read Rav Hirsch's 19 letters and he got inspired and he went down to Rav Hirsch. He lived by him for two years and he writes like his schedule and they talk, they engage in, in these kinds of things, you know, in Shakespeare and Kant and philosophy and like, and then he said, he writes in his diary, he says, I don't understand how a guy who can, you know, who can, you know, read, you know, he knows how to read like this poetry is spending, you know, three hours quetching about the, the, the needle, the, the hole in the stomach of a cow. As if like, like seriously, like, this is what you're busy with? Some Hilchus Trefus, like some obscure halachas, like, what's going on over here? I think I have that quote right, right? You know, uh, it's also interesting how, uh, how there was a quote in one, of, in one of the books that they had there, there was a page there, it was something like with Kfir, they had taken it from the library and first ripped out the page and he burnt it, you know. It's like, uh, I think Hirsch is very modern, but, uh, you know, he was a uh, Kanoya. We'll see, we'll see more about this uh, a little bit later. Right, so again, you know, you can read, you read there's some, some Chachma Begoyim, there's this beautiful beauty in the world, philosophy and literature and science and arts and Hirsch 
But he's, uh, he's clearly saying that, hey, you, you appreciate this, right? Hirsch went to university, Hirsch was modern, he was German, and yet, uh, you know, you're sitting there and hacking the Tanakh, you're hacking with Gemara. How do, you, how do you reconcile the two? And what is their effect upon one's heart and life? Right? So again, you want to know Torah, Torah makes you a better person. He says, the heart becomes exclusively absorbed in anxious scruples about insignificant trifles. Right? This is, you become busy with uh, which challah goes on top. Right? You're having a beautiful Shabbos table, and you're busy hacking, you know, the, this or the back of this, how much was my share, right? This is what you're busy with. Again, this is his complaint. So this is how Rav Hirsch will address all this, and it will come together. So you have to... Have to say it so strong. Right. <laughs> if you listen to this show, you have to, again, like I said, you have to commit to listen to the full thing. It's a full 90 letters. Nothing is taught except to fear God. Everything down to the smallest, pettiest detail of life is referred directly to God. Everything's about God. Life itself becomes a continuous, monistic service, nothing but prayers and ceremonies. Again, a very, very important critique, and of course we'll get back to this. This is a, right, that, that's what Yiddish Kaipa came, davening and yomtif and Shabbos and, and, and right, ceremonies and then like the mitzvahs of like, or we could call them like the mitzvahs of Arachayim, right? This is what Judaism is. Right? So it's like a bunch of ceremonies. It's like, uh, okay, so we, I mean, we find tremendous beauty in these things, but like this is, you know, for a German Jew, it's like, okay, enough. Like this is it's a nice little thing. You have a ceremony, but like that's your whole life is ceremonies, right? The most praiseworthy Jew is the one who lives the most secluded life and knows least of the world. Right? Though he permits it to support him, right? So that's a little, a little knock, right? So you're living in this world and, you know, you're, you're eating and you're, you're enjoying the benefit of the, of the, of the economy. And yet, uh, yeah, you know, you have the luxury of saying, oh, the world is trafe, right? <laughs> he wastes his time in fasting, praying, and poring over meaningless writings, right? Look for yourself at the book which is presented to us as the path of life, right? He's referring here to Arachayim. This is Shulchan Arach Arachayim, right? The path of life, which contains all the duties of the Jew, yeah? What else does it teach but praying, fasting, and observing the festivals, right? Think about it. Mishabura is like the bedrock of what we learn. What is it? What is, what is this Shulchan Arach Arachayim? Right? That's what it is. It's praying, fasting, and observing festivals. It's literally everything in there. Right? Where is there a single word concerning our duties towards the active, busy life around us? Right? What do we do? We're working all day. We're engaged with families. Nothing. Nothing in our time about that. Again, this is, again, we'll, we'll get back to this. Where Hirsch will, will actually be very critical of the fact that, we, that they used to sell Shulchan Aruch's just Arachayim. Right, because this guy obviously ignores the fact that there's a Chayshem Mishpat in the Eredeya and Evan Ezer. Right, but he doesn't know about it because no one focused on it. And this, especially in our time, right nowadays, where we came back then, we were in the ghetto. So yeah, we taka couldn't do anything. We could just learn, and then Shabbos and Yom, that was it. He says, but nowadays, where we're, you know, the world is open to us. Why it is quite impossible to keep these laws intended for an entirely different age. I mean, I could be busy. We're not working on Chalmayit. I mean, come on. Right? Well, right, we can daven, we, we, we're, we're on the road. What limitations in traveling? Well, we can't travel on Shabbos, we can't travel this because we have to stop for davening, right? What an embarrassment in our association with the Gentiles. What difficulties in every business activity, right? And again, we, this is, uh, you know, I have a friend of mine who was, uh, who was in law school. You know, and, you know people at you know, the time were always complaining about, you know, how, how difficult it is to be an African-American on campus. He's like, you know, he says, think about what it means to be a, a Yid on a, on a campus. I think I mentioned this in the Bentara for Life, right? Think about, think about, you know, you have one day a week, you're out, right? You can't Shabbos and Friday afternoon, right? And the short Fridays, right? And then, then and all the, you know, your limitations in terms of where you can live, where you can go, where you can fraternize, right? It's, 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 it's very, very difficult. And then you start, he started his job. And uh, so the first three weeks, he had three three-day yomtifs, right? His brand new job and this prestigious law firm and he's missing, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's talking difficult. You know, corporate America, you know, okay, we have lawyers, accountants, but in corporate America, Jews are not that prominently, uh, you know, a couple here and there, a couple of, uh, but in like the real big corporations, you don't have a lot of Jews. It's very, very difficult. Then he says, please do not point in reply to the current efforts to reform Judaism. In other words, Binyamin is acknowledging that reform is a waste of time. 
right? This idea of Reform Judaism, he says, that's, that's ridiculous. There, indeed, everything that does not harmonize with today's concepts of the destiny of man or the need of the time is being parted away little by little. Right? He recognizes that, you know, it's like, it's like I always say, it's, like it's, it's so ironic that, you know, you read today, like the Reform Jews of today, how it's just, it's an amazing coincidence that the Torah, right, whatever the modern liberal view of morals are, somehow is exactly what the Torah means, right? This is Tikkun Olam, is, you know, the Torah wants us to have this, right? You ever see like these, you know, the Reformed Jews? It's just mamash a coincidence that our religion from 3,000 years ago is exactly the same as modern, you know, moral values. It's a, it's a major coincidence. Right? But that's what he's saying here. It's a joke, right? So the modern, you know, Germans came up with this thing, oh, okay, this is what Judaism is going to have now, right? He recognizes that that's also stupid, right? To think that somehow your religion, right, the Kutzka said that. What was the Kutzka's line that uh, he doesn't want to believe in Hashem that he could understand, right? Like, you know what I mean? If, right, the, the Kuzmi writes about this, you know, this is what the, and the will get back to it. Like, the biggest riot at the Torah is true is that, is that it was way above the people that it was given to, right? We, we give us a Torah, 40 days later, we're doing an eagle, right? If you're giving a religion, you're trying to start a new religion, you want it to, you want it to be on the level of the people. You're not going to make laws that are well above what the people are, right? Right? It took hundreds and hundreds of years. We read Navi, right? It's, it's, uh, we, still, we never got to that point where the Torah was... If you're starting a religion, you know, the, what you want to do is just forget about everything and love whatever. Right? Pick, your, pick your God. It's so much easier to do. Right? Pick a religion that's where the people are at. Right, to take, to, to Yiddishkeit is, is above the people. Right? So the idea that somehow you know, your religion should, should, should match exactly with the modern uh, ideas, that's obviously dumb, right? But is this not itself a step outside Judaism? He's saying, right, reform is not Judaism, right? Would it not be better then to adopt and implement these current concepts consistently on their own instead of tying them to the ideas that are at variance with them, which can only produce an arbitrary patchwork? He's like, reform is stupid. He's like, just give up Judaism, right? If, you wanted, if you're trying to stim Yiddishkeit with the modern ideas, then get rid of Yiddishkeit and just be, be a modern or whatever, humanist or whatever it is that you want to be, which, by the way, of course, is what happens to a lot of these Jews. They end up converting because, like, hey, what do we need Judaism for? It's like, you know, we're trying to stim Yiddishkeit with, with a foreign idea. Let's just skip the middleman. Moreover, for such reforming efforts, you also lack unity, legally constituted legislative bodies, authority, right? All such efforts remain only the strivings of individuals, right? So again, he's saying that, again, reform is, is kind of just a bunch of random kaifrim that are just popping up. The most divergent opinions prevail among the rabbis and preachers. While some, as enlightened men of the time, tear down, others hold fast to the shaky structure and would rather be buried under it. Right? Again, the Yiddishkeit is, it's, you know, we're trying to reform Judaism, we're in Golas, there's nothing, and it's just a bunch of, these rabbis are this, this rabbi that, right? Ironically, like Rav Hirsch was, was hit from both sides, right? Rav Hirsch, you had, uh, the old timers are like, you're too modern, and the, and the reformers are like, you know, you're too from. So, you know, but, but that's, that's also a problem. And by the way, this is, this is a problem, right? Today, this is, this is one of the big fundamental problems within Yiddishkeit is that we don't have a, a central authority. Like tomorrow's daf, we'll hear about, you know, the first machlekes in Klai Yisrael, right? So we had one, as long as it was a Sanhedrin Agadol, and we had a strong Messiah, so that's it, everyone was on the same page. And now we have, you know, a million opinions, and everyone does what they want, every Yishka, right? There's no, uh, there's no authority. Everyone, you know, it used to be every town did what they want. Now we have every, every person could just do what they want. They can Google whatever they want. It's just, uh, and there's, there's no unity. There's no, you know, you're trying to make, like Rav Aaron, you know, he had this that discussion on the, 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 the Walder episode. He's like, why don't the rabbis do this? He's like, there's no, there's no like, club called the rabbis, right? It's not, that's not how this works. It's very, very fragmented. Right? That's Churban. Churban is fragmented. That's part of, right? It used to be, you know, the idea of an Isha Eshkeles, right? Where the person was, uh, was a Tzaddik and he was a Tamil Chacham and he was a Paisik and he was a. Now you have, he's the Paisik, he's the Balsa, he, he, has the, the, he gives good advice, he's the Balmoser, he's, right, he's the Darshan, right? It's very, everything's very fragmented. I myself recently saw a young rabbi who, whenever he travels, contends himself with prisoner's fear and simple-minded piety. 
And when one visits him, he can still be found poring over the folios of the Talmud. He is even said to grieve earnestly over the fact that some of the members of his congregation are so far advanced in enlightenment that they do not close their places of business on Shabbos. Right? He's like, look, look at this. He's a young rabbi, right? He's, he's, so, you know, there are some, some young rabbis that are still holding on, right? It's just, it's a, it's a mess. That's basically the point. What shall become of us, dear Naftali? I'm about to marry, but God knows when I think that perhaps I shall have to exercise the duties to, of a father to children, I tremble. Right? Excuse me, dear friend, for having spoken so freely about something which I know you revere, and I suppose you must as a rabbi on account of your position. Right? Again, Rav Hirsch will lash back in the, in the letter number two on this point. You know, like, oh, you're a rabbi, so you must. You know, you don't actually believe anything, but you're a rabbi, you're a professional Jew, so you have to, right? Still, I'm confident that you have sufficient affection left for me from our former days, so that in answering me, you will not forget, you will forget your office. For what that teaches, I know quite well. I know, I know what the rabbis have to say. I know what the establishment says. I know what the, you know, the tenth grade rebbe drasha. I know that everything's terrible. The internet's terrible. Sports are terrible. Like I know that. You know, I know what the rabbis have to say. I want to hear. I want you to be honest, right? With good wishes, Binyamin. Okay, so just a summary of of the first letter. Um, Binyamin is writing Naftali. Then this is you have to put yourself in the in the mind in the mindset of a reform uh, Jew living in Germany in the 1800s. It's not you know today we have a different set of problems, uh, different issues, which I which I hope to show that refresh I think can even address you know our current our current uh, moment. But again, the, the idea of Yiddishkeit being one, you know, back then the Jews are, are finally, you know, they're allowed into universities. They're, they're being exposed to the world, right? They, they used to live in, in the teeny ghettos, right? Frankfurt was like a ghetto. It was like literally one street with 20,000 people living there. And the most, you know, we're finally able to open up the walls of the ghetto. We're free. And all of a sudden we realize that there's a beautiful giant world out there, right? And, 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 these, and there are people in the world that are pursuing incredible things, right? They're building things. They're building massive companies. And they're creating art and culture and music and... Right, Germany was the cultural center of Europe, and uh, right, they'll produce the Einsteins and the Beethovens and the Kants and all the philosophers, and it's and look at the Jews, and we're busy stuck with uh, with the uh, you know what time is Shkia, right? It's like uh, what is it? Right? Yiddishkeit is just it's it's kind of it's 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 a buzzkill to, to use a monitor, right? It's it's preventing us from enjoying life. It's preventing us from becoming great artists and great thinkers and great you know builders and, and businessmen. Right? And, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's, which is what, what life should be. Life should be about happiness, perfection, about being this, uh, an amazing person, and Yiddishkeit prevents it. And what is the, where does it come from? The Torah, obviously, right? So the, what, what does it mean that we're Jews? We're not really even a nation, right? We don't have a country, but yet we're Jews because we have this Torah. And first of all, Torah itself, the laws of the Torah stop us from doing a whole bunch of stuff. So that, that's, a, that's one by one. Learning Torah is just, I mean, what is going on? I was spending hours and hours fetching over something which is like completely irrelevant, right? It just makes you crazy. And he makes you paranoid and, and, and OCD about, uh, about life. He says, uh, what's going on? He understands that reform is a waste of time. Reform is really just, okay, whatever you, know, whatever you want to do, stick it into Yiddishkeit. That's, the, that's not something which, is, uh, which, which makes any sense. But uh, what's going on here? What do, I, what do I do? What do I do? So, Amet Hashem, next week we'll give the introduction to the answers. Of Hirsch is going to, the second letter is really an introduction to how he's going to answer. And then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Shkai.